hey, so we are adding this special little introduction to our uh, most latest episode of Hoop Darshan. Just to give it all in perspective, the the episode that you you will listen to after this introduction was recorded a couple of weeks ago, but of course with the tragedy that has hit um, bas- the basketball world uh, of Kobe Bryant's passing, we did stop. Uh, we we paused that episode for a while and we decided it'd be best to sort of address our feelings and just our reactions to the, to to the death of one of the all-time great basketball players. And uh, and then you know after that, if you're still interested, you, you can listen to our in, uh, the episode that's afterwards. And 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 it is a very good episode. We interviewed Norman Isaac, one of the top um, uh, sort of commissioners in 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 world FIBA in world basketball. Uh, but but for now, um, I'm here, Karan Mathok. I'm here with Kaushik Lakshman. We're recording this on the second of Feb 2020, and it's been about a week since uh, Kobe Bryant's death. And I mean, Kaushik, I just want to start off with you. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, it's un. I, I know it's been a week, but it. I, I, I don't think these scars will heal so quickly. I, I, like, uh, what was your first reaction when you heard this news? Where were you? How did you feel? Why don't you take me through that? It's it's hard. It's hard to sort of put everything into words, but I'll try my best, I suppose. Uh, it's a bit it's a bit funny when you think about it like this is a person who obviously uh, I've never met before but still feels like such an integral part of my my entire life like I, I've seen this person through all my years of you know growing up and discovering who I was as a person and stuff like that so uh, it, it means a lot that I guess like Kobe means a lot to me in in a lot of different ways and I'm sure that's the case with a lot of people which is why uh, which is why we've been seeing the reactions that we we have been over the last week or so. Um, so uh, I guess like to take it back to about a week ago, um, it was I think like a, a sun- Sunday morning or Monday morning. I'm not. It was Sunday. It was. I mean, uh, in India, it was the the 26th August night. So the the early morning uh, when I got when I saw people's texts, it was middle of the night. It was 2 a.m. to 2 3 a.m. on the 27th. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, in the US, it would have been the twenty sixth. That's right. That's right. So yeah, the twenty seventh. Uh, that so that'll be a little bit more into the morning for me. So like six o'clock or so. So that's obviously like because the twenty sixth is a public holiday here, and that came on a Sunday. The twenty seventh was was an off day, so I didn't have to go to work. So mm-hmm. I set my alarm for like later than when I normally wake up and stuff like that. But but for some reason, like I I woke up a little bit earlier than I should. And mm. classic, classic me, just wake up, take the phone out and see what's going on on Twitter and stuff. And suddenly, like, there's just this barrage of tweets that's saying that Kobe Bryant was involved in a helicopter crash. And, like, I, yeah. for, a, for a few minutes, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know whether I had, like, really woken up in, in the world or is this some sort of cru- cruel dream, nightmare sort of thing that's going on. Like, sometimes mm. when this... Like you don't expect to see that when you wake up, right? And uh, so, yeah, essentially, like that's the first first I heard of it, and the first sort of feeling that I had, like, just is this is this even real? And and I'm sure I'm sure even if it was like 11 a.m. when I'm wide awake, if I'd heard it, I would have felt the same. But it just had like a little bit of a uh, sort of a mystique sort of appeal, where like I woke up when I was mm-hmm. not supposed to. And I saw something that I was not supposed to, and I, I really couldn't really sort of believe it. Um, and slowly but surely, I guess, like 
you started hearing more and more people say this and more and more people confirming this uh, and then like all the way to i guess like the the worst sort of fears coming through that he not only he but also his uh, his daughter who is like 12 or 13 years old um and i think for some reason like that hit me more than uh more than when i when it was just kobe I, i'm not even sure what that uh what the reason for that is it's not like like i'm a father or anything like that but um something about it made me like made me really sick to my stomach like i didn't know uh i didn't know like what to process like to, I, I, in a way like i don't even sort of believe it right now but um yeah it, it's hard as you can see i'm struggling with words so i, I don't know um i don't really know like what happened why it happened like it's too much to sort of process at that time but it was definitely like a, a huge punch to the gut like somebody from somewhere hit me really hard and um yeah it was just it was just really confusing what about you how, how did you feel when you first um when you first heard this yeah uh i mean like it's you, you, you put it pretty well like there was something about there was a dream like quality to this news because it wasn't just you know people die young all the time and famous people die young every once in a while yeah and it's and it's always shocking but when somebody we we have heard of pretty like i don't know off the top of my head heat ledger mm-hmm. now this is i mean i thought of it just because of the kobe yeah. you know like it now it's now it's like a funny fun story to talk about that right yeah. like like i i was shocked i was i mean not that like i cared about heat ledger at all you know um but it was like oh oh my god this is like a famous person i've heard of and he died early you know yeah uh so but the 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 number of things that were screwed up about this mm-hmm. like the fact that the, the, for the death to happen in such a cruel way yeah. like it's like it was it was such a unreal way that's why i think a lot of thought, a lot of us thought it was a dream because mm-hmm. like i woke up it was 2 or 3 a.m and i woke up my wife and she she's like a lifelong laker fan she's from california and she was like what a helicopter like how is that even you know yeah and then you add to that like the fact that this wasn't just any famous person this was somebody and i've been i've said this over and over again to people who have talked to about this mm-hmm. the last week has basically been like a long like grief session with me and like basketball fans and we've like people I've met my brother my friends you know yeah. we've just been like talking about kobe you know and so whoever i've talked to i've just said like it you know this is not a man i knew that well like i interviewed him once that's it you know he's just he's not a member of my family but i really felt like that even though i wasn't you know a fan like you were or a lot of like he just mattered to me yeah. he, his presence was a part of my childhood and my adulthood you know mm-hmm. so for for somebody like that to just leave it it matters it, it it's sort of like i was surprised by how much i was shaken by this because i you know again as i said this is not a, a personal death this is a very public death a lot of people are mourning him yeah. you know yeah uh, but 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 I, but i was personally i felt like i was personally sad because it was all of a sudden you felt like this is somebody that the child in me cared about you know absolutely absolutely yeah and then and then you add to that like when you read about gigi you know it's i think the reason that has really really twisted the knife and made it so so much worse and i mean there were other children in in this uh, in this accident too but it's just the fact that like here's innocence like like she, but here's the person who hasn't even lived their life you know yeah. 
Yeah. Like with Kobe, I'm sure he had a second chapter. He was only 41. But here's a person who didn't even get a first chapter of her life, you know, yes. who was getting to so many great things and she was like honestly um like the last few years of Kobe's life uh, I remember I'm a slam subscriber so I remember reading the cover story of Kobe with the Mamba Academy girls and like him and Gigi did the cover like shoot and I was like oh this is really nice to see yeah Kobe the dad you know and I wrote an article about this for first post a few days ago like I when I finally sort of got my reaction together to everything because the mm. conversations I've had with people were either of Kobe the hero and some people are like are of course dragging in Kobe's dark side to this thing to like let's reckon with his mistakes and to me like my reckoning to it was uh Kobe the father you know like i could really like i my daughter was sleeping in the bed right there next to me you know and like while i'm reading this news so it's you really like <laughs> you, you, you i i felt so bad because man like he would do anything to protect his his girl yeah and 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 this is how it ends for him so it was just um yeah man like i i can't believe i can't believe kobe bryant like we, like he just always got up he was he had this persona of man nobody can mess with kobe like you yeah. can be whatever the hell you want you, you can't like achilles injury whatever you know like the guy was a true badass and like he he really was one of the hardest working people and you just thought he would work through it you know you yeah. thought he would survive anything like he had this persona of um of like true like like uh, uh like heroism but i don't mean heroism as a positive thing all the time you know some heroes can be anti heroes too yes. but what i mean by heroism is uh in the more like greek god sense of heroism mm. like heroes that are above mere mortals yeah and that was that was his persona yeah so i really didn't think that we would lose him so early i thought we would have him for decades more he'd be there annoying us he'd be doing arguing he'd be there like every once in a while saying some deep shit you know like he would just be there and for it to just happen so abruptly is uh, it's been a lot to digest yeah yeah absolutely i i think uh, that's that's sort of a good sort of summary about his his life i guess uh, he's to me he's always been uh, he's always been a very like larger than life figure like you couldn't script a life or career like this guy's i think like think about it like everything that could sort of work against him like he's he's got this weird past where like he grew up in italy like not a yeah. basketball country obviously as like the only american in his town and like he moves back to film and and, and also uh, just want to add to that like uh, uh, maybe one of the only african americans around you know yeah, yeah. like it's, it's, he wasn't just a white american being an african american growing up in italy dude i'm i'm sure that wasn't easy Absolutely. like that that is not a country that is has a reputation of uh, i mean i mean same with india right like yeah. i think if you're if if you're a if you're a dark skinned person it is it is tougher and and for a kid to be like that Absolutely. a foreigner that must have been tough yeah and then and then imagine where like, he goes back to his school high schooling years in in philadelphia which is like completely an alien environment for him and yeah. there's lots of stories about how he sort of he's always felt uh, like isolated and alone because he's never fit in anywhere and that's probably like channeled all of his drive into being like the best basketball player or, uh, or or anything that he sort of set his eyes out to and slowly he sort of like we we saw him grow up and 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 mature and stuff like that and change who he was as a person and i i, I can't remember where i read it but somewhere it said that like for the last 3 or 4 years after his retirement was the first time that kobe seemed like a normal human being 
like a regular dude like a dad who's like he, he even started having a dad bod uh, and stuff like that so it's uh yeah it, it just feels like someone whose life you've seen um from very close by even though he was not like really geographically close by and he's got these so many different sort of layers to him diff- very unique story one of a kind story and uh, someone who had the sort of um the, for the lack of a better word like balls to say that he wanted to be the next jordan or better than better than michael jordan and he very very nearly got there and it's uh, it's a massive loss and i think the only the only thing you have to see to to see how big he was in in not just the basketball world but like lots of other areas as well the number of people who who were visibly you know shocked and moved by him and who teared up in in like basketball games or or in like award shows and or, or what not like he's just touched so many people in so many different ways is very very larger than life figure yeah and i mean to add to that um, you know the, the fact that like like i was because uh, uh, you know ac milan he grew up in italy and he 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 was an ac milan fan yeah and ac milan fans are petitioning to retire the number 24 like that's just it gives me the chills to think you know like it's 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 beautiful like in it may may not happen but the fact that like he, he had these like connections with people like i i had people sending me like 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 texts from mainstream indian news that this mm-hmm. about kobe's that like it's so you know It, it was it was kind of shocking that this is uh like th- that it hit everywhere and and you're right like we saw him grow like I, I became a basketball fan around the same time he was drafted the 96 draft yeah you know um so I remember him as a rookie I remember him making all those mistakes and uh, I remember like Kobe with a little fro so it's like again he he's been you know like for example like Michael Jordan was already a god by the time yes. I became a basketball fan you know yeah. uh and 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 by then lebron james became a god like i was already by then like like i i i had i mean of course lebron is freaking amazing but but in the sense like i had already grown up a bit yes so so it wasn't the same phase for me but but this era of players so kevin garnett kobe bryant allen iverson gary payton who was my all time favorite but again he was sort of uh, in the latter part of his career by then mm-hmm. vince carter like these guys i i i have like a, just a more special emotional connection with yes just because like they were they, they, they were like childhood idols you know mm-hmm. but for you specifically like you became uh like you're a laker fan obviously and and you have been a kobe fan for as long as you've been you've been an nba fan am i right yeah yeah absolutely uh, i i did have a lot of other sort of f- favorite players in in a in a bucket as well but like kobe is the one who sort of really got me stuck into um into basketball watching basketball fandom laker fandom uh everything mm-hmm. and yeah it's probably like safe to say that I liked number 24 Kobe Bryant more than number 8 Kobe Bryant but number 8 mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant was a vital part of like me falling in love with the sport and it's mm-hmm. um yeah it's it suddenly like it's it's sort of taken away and I think the the biggest surprise to myself was I thought I was fairly um detached from i guess like individual player fandom and stuff like that you know like you, you said right like you kind of already um ha- had grown up as a person and i feel like i'm i have a different relationship with sports and teams and fans fandom and stuff like that these days um but this kind of news like it kind of took me back to to the days where like this was i, I, I don't know it, it just felt like 
a connection that i lost suddenly sort of came back and it was snatched away it's um, well it's it, it's it's a robbing of innocence right because that yeah. is the like that's how you uh, connect with, with with the player like him yeah. well let me ask you like how did you like let's you know sort of like <laughs> i mean we can be sorrowful about it but i think we should celebrate yeah some of the like like the good i mean the fact that he's he's been so important i think we need to communicate why exactly and i, I want you to tell me like what, what was it, what was it about young kobe that like made you a fan and like what are your earliest memories of him uh earliest memories definitely of like the first three peat i suppose the first um first time that i saw a team like so dominant so obviously missed the last part of um like the bulls and, and jordan era so like kobe bryant shaq that team was the mm-hmm. was the first sort of like big superstar team that like you know when when they played it felt like nobody mm-hmm. could beat them that that sort of aura that they had yeah um and i think that 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 was just really special like here's this guy who who act like he owns the court and he owns the game and he can just do whatever he wants there at the absolute pinnacle of the sport uh i think that's probably like what sort of got me really hooked onto it and you you saw that more and more as he grew into his career as well like even even that bit of a phase in the middle where like he didn't have any teammates and he had like the likes of Shmush Barker and and some of these others Kwame Brown and stuff like that on the team and he still sort of like he achieved individual excellence at that time that i have rarely seen uh, from from sort of that uh, viewpoint and again all the way back to i guess like the third chapter for me which is um, the two the two titles in 09 and 10 which is like i just had to think about it the other day like there's probably been nobody else who was uh who's had two sort of separate peaks like that and when you think about it as a as a number two option and then as a number one option like you've seen lots of players who gone the other way right like who've had a yeah. great, great career as the as the main person and then they sort of accepted a smaller role or whatever yeah yeah or sometimes it's been both like like for jordan's instance right he's obviously the clear number one in both different mm-hmm. sets of uh, i guess his peaks but mm-hmm. uh, i can't think of anyone else on the top of my head who was sort of like yes number 2 on paper but he was probably like like the closest number 2 to a number one that's um, that's been there before and to sort of completely uh, many many years later reach the top again uh, i just think like it's a it's a really amazing amazing basketball story like the guy who uh who wanted to be as as good as jordan or or better than him nearly made it and i i don't think you can say that to a lot of people yeah i mean see i've always said that you know I, and this is me like I, i'm again i'm i'm a bit more like unbiased about kobe's career mm-hmm. that's <laughs> so i i always saw him as and i was very funny like when i was younger i used to be like mm-hmm. this guy is always trying to be like jordan what's his problem you know mm-hmm. but I, when i grew older i realized like if you have the exact same physical gifts of jordan you're almost the same size yeah. play the same position and you grew up seeing michael jordan as being the most unstoppable thing in the world that i would do the exact same thing i would aim i would like if this is the if this is the, the epitome of the the best i'm going to basically follow the exact same formula and try to be better than it you know and i wrote an article where i said like kobe actually in one of, in my eyes is one of the greatest overachievers yeah. in the sport because yeah, 
I just think he he should have been in the class of, and this is a compliment to these guys. It's not an insult. Yes. He should have been in the class of Vince Carter, McGrady, Everson. You know, like absolutely, th- absolutely. Th- those are the class of players with his level of talent. Yeah. But I think he sort of worked his ass off to become a class above. And yes, people can argue that like winning is uh, like 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 he was in the winning environment. But I think to me the argument is like I think he helped create that environment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, like it's it, it's a bit of both. Like he actually, yes, Shaq was a freaking beast. You know, but 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 Kobe also helped create an environment of of success. You know, and he he had a huge part in it. So yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, those th- that uh, those early days with Shaq were of course freaking amazing. Like, uh, and again, I'm saying this as somebody in hindsight. I remember being a fan then. I used to be very annoyed. I was always rooting for like. Either the 76ers or the Kings or whatever. Yeah. But but I realize now, like, and I feel the same way about the Miami Heat thing. Who I again, which I didn't like. The early, mm-hmm. Is that it's kind of it's good for basketball to have these memorable teams. You know, yeah, absolutely. It's good. Like people are gonna look back at the Warriors and be like, holy shit, I can't believe that was a team. You know, you guys got to witness them in real life. That's yeah. an amazing thing. You know. Yeah. People who hated the Bulls in the 90s are obsessed with them now because it's. I think they feel that such it's rare to have that kind of greatness. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and dude, of course, that that lull where he went on that crazy scoring spree, mm-hmm. I still remember where I was when that eighty-one <laughs> point game happened. It's it, it's like how is that even possible? How 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 is it, how is a human being like? And 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 by the way, let's be real. Like, if someone does it now, it won't be worth that much because the game has a different pace. Yes, a lot of these guys are higher higher usage rate players. That's very true. Like, for example. Uh, uh, guys like Harden and Lillard have been having incredible scoring sessions, uh, scoring uh, stretches, but I, I, I think like the the pace of the game and the number of threes they take and the number of like fouls they can win is way different now than it was in uh, twelve years ago when Kobe was having that streak. Yes. And to me, that was that's a far more uh, individual offensive streak because I think uh, the the Kobe equivalent of you know, Damien Lillard's streak now would be you just add ten more points to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it it it'd be like that. I just think it's hard it's hard to put into words how um how un, how truly unstoppable as an individual he was because there there was literally nothing you could do. He took these difficult, really terrible, bad long twos, mm-hmm. and they would like all work. They and it was work. just uh, it was it was it was it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and I think another sort of uh, very special story for me is um, is possibly like I, I mentioned this to you before, like my favorite basketball game ever, which is the 2008 uh, Olympic gold medal game, which was mm, yes, yes, which was I think one of the more sort of legendary performances. Obviously, not too many people sort of uh, follow the game outside of the NBA, but that that was a real special moment in in like a team full of sort of alphas. Uh, yeah. They were struggling. They were struggling because Spain's teamwork and Spain's own golden generation was, was caught US on a bad day, and they were yeah. uh, they were just really owning the game for the for the first sort of thirty thirty two minutes, and then um, here was Kobe who was like, "All right, I've got this," and this is like this is the team USA, which is it's like it's got LeBron, it's got Wade, it's got like all of these star players okay maybe they haven't quite reached their peak yet but they all just turned to turn to kobe as like all right save us you know yeah. and that's exactly what happened and i think like that's that sort of encapsulates his mentality for me and i think he he's like not afraid to do the biggest things 
and mm. i mean he didn't he didn't always succeed but i think that's my sort of big takeaway from him like he was he wasn't afraid to to go for it um i'll agree that game i think is one of the the most important basketball games ever played because yeah it's it's a, it's not like the nba finals which is best of 7 this is one game yes. it's the best in the world and very rarely do these because the us are usually so much better than everybody else yeah. very rarely do these games are uh, especially if they're featuring the us are they close because you would just imagine america to defeat everyone by like 20 points yeah and and uh, so far in the olympics uh, wade mellow and lebron had been the best players from america um and then you get these final and exactly as what you said happened i think kobe and jason kidd i remember were bought into that team as like the elder statesmen you know yes. and kobe had taken the role of like i'm going to just play defense i'm not that interested you know mm-hmm. in being like the star yeah. but, but but when push came to shove i think they were all looking at each other at like okay who's going to be the guy you know we can all we can be as deep as you want but at the end of the day it's 5 on 5 and someone has to step up yeah. and uh, and and the beauty of kobe stepping up was that like no one is even surprised kobe stepped up you know yeah. like if it it it's as if like it we 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 saw it would happen like who else could it be you know um and that's and that's a big compliment regard considering that this team truly had a lot of great players and uh and uh, right after that like the, the the two more championships like those teams were amazing uh with with gasol of course um and then like there was I, i would say there was a fourth phase to kobe's career the post achilles like yeah kobe which which became really like the, the post achilles like stupid contract kobe yeah yeah where it's like a, it's a meme that whole that whole arc to his life is like he's just he's just this <laughs> dude gunslinger just shoots every every opportunity trying to create this whole like uh, mamba soft others narrative whatever it is like he's i think he's like building his own sort of image there um which was yeah no i mean i, I actually think that fourth thing was kind of, it, it became pretty endearing to me yeah. the end of it because you knew like this this team is trash but yeah. it was still fun to see kobe dominate like yeah. in this in this like if if i am you know and uh, through my family and friends connection i have a lot of people who are like mm-hmm. very much into the lakers and have gone to a lot of games at the staples center yeah and if you ask them like hey would you want to be you know any uh, average team from from those years 2012 to 16 i don't know what's like a league average team the nuggets mm-hmm. whatever you know would you want to be that or would you want to be trashy but have but but watch kobe kill it every game yeah. and <laughs> everyone would take kobe kill it every game because basketball is about entertainment like yes the winning part is important but 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 the emotional part is what brings fans in the in to the stadiums and i think uh, like kobe had an emotional connect with fans this is another hypothesis i've been testing out but i feel like i, I can't think of an uh, uh, an nba team to a player connection that 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 is as uh, deep or as emotional as the lakers with the kobe with kobe Absolutely. is it like I, I, i no disrespect to like the duncan spurs thing dirk and mavericks is like super strong too mm-hmm. but 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 kobe and lakers is a true international thing it's different. where people yeah it's it, it is like people are became the fans or became fans of the lakers and became lifelong fans of lakers because of kobe you know yeah and and i don't think that that would be the same with someone like dirk or duncan uh, with their teams i agree i agree yeah and i don't even think we'll see anything like this ever again uh, yeah that's that's the that's the enormity of the loss that we've had i suppose like 
what do you think um, i mean he, post career where do you think he, he he would be headed towards like i know he was getting into uh you know story writing script writing he won a freaking oscar <laughs> like that's that's another thing he did yeah um uh and, and and he always made sure to like he didn't overexpose himself with you know the tnt interviews and all he would come once in a while say mm. something really deep and bounce i never really saw him as someone who would get into coaching or team like management like jordan did no. i think he was always going to do something different yeah yeah uh, do you f- yeah sorry go on no 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 go ahead no i mean i guess like we just want to close this off i guess, i mean we could talk about kobe for freaking ever yes um <laughs> Is there a, like two last two last things for you? One, looking in the future, who who are the players do you see that like most embodying sort of the Mamba mentality? You know, going forward. I think it's hard to find all of it in in one player, uh, mm-hmm. but for me, two players sort of stand out as as having parts of the mentality. I think mm-hmm. one of them uh, is Yanis, the way he sort of approaches the game. Um, mm-hmm. constantly like working real hard trying to improve his game uh, wanting to you know put the team on his back and like being upset at losses and all of that kind of aspects of mamba mentality i think yanis definitely is the one that i see the most in um mm-hmm. the other one i guess i suppose is um, is probably like it, it might be a bit of a stretch here but i do think that kyrie has a little bit of a uh, little bit of the kobe mentality as well and i think it's in a very sort of very very light manner um he's mm-hmm. not afraid to take the big shots he's not afraid to um you know be really brave about something even even though he he may or may not necessarily carry it out and i think he's always had that uh had that about him um, but obviously like his career has seen a few more lows than kobe's has uh, at at sort of the same point and obviously they're not i mean Co- Kobe's legal team will argue that <laughs> there's been, <laughs> been deeper lows for him, but fair, fair, that's true. Um, yeah, I was talking more specifically about what <laughs> it is, but yeah, you're definitely right there. Um, but yeah, there, there is obviously a, a huge difference in someone who's like I guess six foot two and six foot six and and stuff like that too. Um, yeah, so I guess it's those two that I see the most in. Uh, but you see, I see the Kyrie. I see the. Com- I mean, the Kyrie comparison also makes sense from. Because you know you were talking about someone who was a number two guy and yes. then became a number one guy. Yeah, I mean Kyrie, I I I highly doubt him becoming a number one guy the way Kobe did. I agree. But he did have a similar earlier arc where he, like like LeBron was like the Shaq, where like this dude can do anything. He's like Hulk, you know. Yeah. And but you need like the the killer closer, the guy who can take the biggest shot in the game. Mm-hmm. And and that was Kyrie on his way to the title. So I think. I think that that part of their games are uh, or or and or they and their histories are similar. Yeah, and even the way I guess like they sort of want to appear when they speak and stuff like that. I think that Kyrie's taken a little bit of that from Kobe as well. Like he he ends up saying some stupid things, but I think he always wants to <laughs> uh, he always wants to appear like he's talking at a, at a different intellectual level. I think that's probably something that Kobe tried to do, but maybe would have been like taken apart in today's day and age of social media. but he yeah. kind of crafted that narrative about himself well my my second question is do, do you have an endearing kobe memory at this i know it, it's like it's only been a week oh boy. But, <laughs> it, but 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 if you if you had 
I'm sure you've thought a lot about him over the past week. You've talked to people a lot about him. Is it what is like maybe one flashbulb moment that that sort of comes to your mind? I I know there's there must be so many. Yeah, there must you know, there must be so many. But I think there's this one thing specifically that's coming to my mind right now, which which just encapsulates a lot of what Kobe is as a person. I think. uh especially because i know you mentioned paugasol also sometime back another one of my absolute favorite players and yep. um the story apparently after the um after the 08 olympics final right obviously that's kobe's mm-hmm. us team against paugas spain team yeah um so that's over their teammates and obviously like there's there's a moment in that game where kobe um yeah just sets, goes right at him yeah yeah just yeah. like sets a real hard screen and pushes yeah. all to the floor and apparently that his teammates on the bench are like that you know that guy's his teammate like he's he's going to yeah. go back and play with him the next year and stuff like that so they're obviously taken apart but that's not even like that's not even the fun part of the story the, the the more fun part of the story is apparently when they get into training camp the next year mm-hmm. after after the summer break and stuff like that um before power arrives apparently kobe hangs his gold medal in power's locker just, oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> just sort of like sort of rubbing it into him but also mm-hmm. sort of trying to motivate him uh, yeah gasol had some sort of concerns of being like a soft player and stuff like that when they lost to uh, yeah. boston yeah. the previous year so it's just like i feel like it, in a story like that you can see all of the aspects of what made kobe kobe and mm. um yeah that that's probably like the first thing that comes to my mind I mean before I close out um you know I, I do want to mention that the Lakers gave like a really good um like Kobe farewell ceremony yeah, um it was a great like, great uh, it was beautiful I mean they, they lost the game but that was it was beautiful LeBron gave a great speech um and I want to say this like this is the first time since Kobe since 2010 that the Lakers actually have a contender yeah and they're the number one team in the west you know and it's quite insane how Back in 09-010, when Kobe was winning his last titles, LeBron was seen as the guy who is here for Kobe's legacy. But like he was seen as the more talented player, but Kobe was seen as the greater winner. And immediately it became a, like the rings versus stats became, you know, the the eternal debate between these two, Kobe and LeBron. And and basically people split into two camps. So much so that like you couldn't be a fan of both. You had to choose one or the other. <laughs> and so much so that like when lebron joined the lakers it was such a pushback from kobe fans who were just like who are you you're not one of us you're not kobe you know uh, and and this is like lebron who's like arguably is like a better player historically than kobe is you know mm-hmm. and 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 what a twist of fate that now this guy who is the next sort of face of the nba after kobe has now this burden of carrying kobe's legacy for his team and uh, LeBron ne- would never would you know because of the times he's changed his teams he will never have that one team connection maybe with Cleveland as a city yeah. but the way Co- Kobe has Lakers he'll never have that connection yeah but i think he's he i'm just like sort of projecting my things i, I think he must have felt what it means to be uh, to be playing for this team that so many uh, fans like has such a great legacy and history of support um and dude like when this playoff run happens LeBron and Anthony Davis I'm not a Laker fan at all and I'm not like really rooting for you guys to win the title mm-hmm. but it would be like one of the greatest stories of all time yeah. if if the if the Lakers from here in Kobe's memory win a championship like can you imagine just the the narrative of that is it's it's incredible 
yeah uh, i can't i can't imagine and i don't really want to at this stage as well because i haven't really like fully processed everything quite yet but i imagine that's playing on their minds right like that's something that they that will it's it's a tight knit team already and i think it will get them um get them closer as a, as a as a bunch of people as as, a, as teammates as basketball players um just yeah uh, they're all they're all fans of his and you saw that in i guess how they came in uh, kobe jerseys and gear and stuff like that so yeah i think that's definitely uh, it, it'll take things to another level and um look i i'm not going to complain if if they if they win using that as motivation um but yeah it's it's still it's still probably like too early for me to process all of that uh, together well i mean we we'll, i mean i'll just close up with it's been i still can't believe it this is going to take a long time for us to get used to the idea of like yeah someone we've always known in our lives like yeah. I, i i probably like you know cared about kobe and I, i don't mean care in like a sense of like affection i just mean care as in i like care for his like him like his presence yeah uh, more than a lot of my extended family members <laughs> i'm sorry sorry to like my mossas or whatever <laughs> like it's just it's just true you know so so it's it's going to take some time for this to like really settle in and uh, uh i think the basketball world as a whole not just i mean you saw the number of uh, people like uh, lighting lamps and doing uh, um, um farewell ceremonies and mem- mem- ceremonies of remembering kobe in india all yeah. around basketball courts in india yeah, this is happening to, all over the world shout out to gopal and ekelavyas for shout out to ekelavyas for sharing all of those yeah and for collecting and sh- sharing all of those he actually not just shared them but he also encouraged more people to do it you know because yeah. of that yeah um yeah um, so so i guess like it's in a way like i'm glad that they got his uh, jersey retirement ceremony through but it'll yeah. be it'll be a very empty moment in in the hall of fame induction when like he oh my god yeah and we won't yeah. get to hear anything from him uh it's it's going to be it's going to be emotional yeah. <laughs> um yeah so that said we are we will end this long introduction now i mean it's long but i think it was absolutely necessary for coaching and i to talk this through yeah there's you know it's it's we, we really feel like we've lost one of the like it's such an important factor of our lives with kobe and and for it to happen so suddenly so tragically like just I, i'm wishing for the best of all the families who were involved in this crash all, all, all the people who were actually personally affected not like us we are like we are like public factors but kobe's family everyone else's family like just um, can't even imagine what they must be going through um what you're going to hear now after the break is episode 88 of hoop darshan uh and we end with a little bit of an nba conversation to that also but of course it's it's dated now just keep that in mind uh remember that whatever we talk about then was recorded several weeks ago um koshik any any last words before we start the actual podcast uh no not really if if any of you guys uh, who who listen to us regularly have any kobe stories kobe memories what he means to you uh please do share them with us we'll uh, we'll definitely give you a shout out in the next episode um but till then enjoy enjoy episode 88 and hashtag #mamba the international game has me dimaag se khela jata hai gusse se nahi Hello everybody and welcome to episode 88 of Hoop Darshan. 
Udarshan. Episode number 88, Karan. Now I have some trivia for you to start this off. Yeah, oh great. I love it. I love Pasha. <laughs> How many players do you think have worn jersey number 88? Doesn't like Marcus Smart wear it or somebody like that? Uh, uh, no. Celtic that wear Yeah, there's definitely a Celtic that has worn it. Uh, oh, okay. But just for like one season. I don't know if you'd get that. But uh, there have been six players who have worn jersey number 88. And mm. all of them after 2010. So that's... Oh, interesting. That's very interesting. So um, I also sense a little bit of a pattern here. I feel like yeah. Europeans like number 88. I don't know yeah. if this is like a joke or something like that there. But uh, Nicholas Batum. Okay. Nemanja Bielica. Awesome. Uh, Alexei Shved. Okay. <laughs> These are the Latin past names. <laughs> yeah. Um, although there's, uh, I'm not 100% sure if Christian Enga is um, is European. He's probably not. Goga Bidatse from Indiana Pacers, a huge dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He's uh, also number 88. And finally, the Celtic that you probably had in mind, but not really, was uh, Antoine Walker. One season, he wore number 88. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. I knew there was something about it was Celtic issue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so excellent stuff. Nothing, nothing um, that I thought I would find when I looked for number eighty-eight. But it's a, it's a good start to this episode. Uh, Can I tell you a, a number eighty-eight sort of trivia from my end? And this course. will make you happy. Of course. So since we also like to br- uh, bring in like the finals of that year, mm-hmm. the ninety-seven, ninety-eight team, the Lakers won the title, right? Yeah. And it was the fourth time that a team had won a back-to-back championship since the 60s Celtics. Wow. Basically, then since like the Bill Russell retired, yeah. no team won two championships in a row. And, and like apparently the way the NBA was back then, it was almost like a team would win and they would party too hard and get out of shape. And then <laughs> like not... <laughs> and especially in the 80s where the Lakers and Celtics were almost like uh, alternating. Mm-hmm. So... so one of the great like claim to fame for like from for Magic Johnson because if you I, I've read a lot of like you know Magic and Bird books and seen the documentaries and all, I'm very fascinated by the whole thing mm-hmm. and this is what Magic always considers like himself to be better than Bird because Bird could never win back to back ah and, this is this is the old like Kobe and Lakers argument against the Spurs because are the Spurs ever really a dynasty if they didn't win two back to back because um, that's that's I guess his and their legacy so. Um, nice, interesting fact, Karan. Um, on to possibly less interesting facts. Our usual Indian basketball roundup from uh, from the past few weeks. Uh, of course, the senior nationals just finished. Uh, we only know about it because of a few Instagram <laughs> updates from our basketball journalists. Um, but yeah, not not much else from BFI. Uh, no, so they actually they finished like a long time ago. We are. Uh we haven't caught up in a while. It's been, I think, two weeks or so when the uh, senior nationals finished. Two or three weeks. Uh, it, they were in Ludhiana, the the hotbed, the hotbed of Oman's chicken and basketball. Yeah. The hotbed of hotbed chicken and basketball. So two of my favorite things in the same town. Um, and Punjab, the host, they they won uh, 93-75, beating Tamil Nadu in the final. Mm-hmm. And uh, Indian Railways won the women's tournament, so so kind of like a, a throwback champions, you know, like yeah. a couple of have been along in the past. Uh, so so uh, this is like <laughs> the, the funny part of this whole situation. The, the three best players for Punjab, right, mm-hmm. in the final, were Ashpreet Singh Bhullar, leading scorer, Amrit Pal Singh second, and Amjot Singh third. And 
it's so ironic because Arshpreet and Amjod got in that big fight. Yes. <laughs> that that big drunken fight and Amritpal was present in that big incident. So Amritpal was I mean eventually he wasn't involved in anything. But these three of Punjab's best players uh, a month before the nationals were involved in that big like altercation well um in the India Cup in Bangalore. So it's so ironic that they were just like, you know, not even ironic like like cuz like I sort of know a bunch of these players personally and it's they they don't keep the grudges for a long time. They'll have a fight, they'll fight over it, and then they'll become friends again and they'll dominate together. So uh, so Amjot played in this tournament and this was the last thing because right after this tournament finished, BFI announced a three-year ban for him. If one year wasn't three- enough the previous time. He's basically... If this ban actually goes through, I think he's getting it so he hasn't... like I interviewed him right after, he didn't want to talk about it because like of the legal proceedings mm-hmm. but if it goes through uh, in the last 4 years he would have only played about 3 months of basketball for india you know wow which is just such a waste of like literally uh, i would say just on pure like talent level mm-hmm. uh, the player be the best male player we've had you know yeah yeah, yeah not not uh, not far off with that remark about him uh, and they're yeah, not far off about i guess the the story of the whole situation as well just, it just annoys me so much. And um, uh, Gopala Krishnan R, who, you know, Indian basketball ex- expert who we had on our last podcast, uh, last episode, a few weeks ago, he actually wrote a list of the top five players who have been banned by the BFI. <laughs> and, like, it's, and like, basically, like, legends, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, Jay Shankar Menon, TJ Sahi, uh, no, Robinson. Robinson would like, have been there, yeah. Yeah, like, so, Basically, it's 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 almost as if like, you, when you make it to a, a certain level, the, the BFI has to ban you. Like they have to block block you from getting too great or, yeah. or getting big. Them, you know. Yeah, in in Australia here, they have this uh, terminology called the tall poppy syndrome. So like, if if a tree gets too tall, then like you sort of chop it off so that everybody else looks a little bit better. Uh, I feel like that's that's what the BFI does to anyone who becomes too big for them. And again, like, you know, I don't know the full backstory. Amjot may or may not be guilty of what he's being alleged, you know, that he has done. Mm-hmm. But three years, come on. Like, that's just, it's it's ridiculous. It's, yeah. <laughs> excellent stuff, excellent stuff. Um, any any other Indian basketball news before we move on to our special guest, Karan? Uh, so, the Kelo India Youth Games, just uh, the basketball tournament just finished yesterday. Um, and I'll just read off the results. Like they, these just happened, and and to be fair to the BFI, like they actually kept us very well informed of everything that was happening. Um, Punjab Tamil Nadu after uh, this whole national senior thing, they, the men, the under twenty one men, the same same two teams, same result. Uh, Punjab Punjab uh, one beating uh, Tamil Nadu, and in women uh, Kerala beat Maharashtra. So a couple of more like sort of traditional women's basketball powerhouses there. Um, and in under-17 tournament, um, Tamil Nadu women beat Rajasthan, and Rajasthan men uh, won under-17 boys, and they beat Delhi. So congrats to all the winners, and like um, these these tournaments are like kind of helpful from the scouting perspective. So I really hope that like um, a few players emerge from this that that you know that go on to make their name. I know that. Like a lot of uh, players, uh, female players in Kerala and Tamil Nadu look really good um, in the, in these tournaments, mm-hmm. and I'm hope and uh, there's a lot of hype for them to sort of make it to the next level. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. Um, so, Karan, 
that brings us to the end of i guess our indian basketball bulletin uh, is significantly more positive than previous occasions but we still got a little bit of bitching away uh, which is i don't know what it says about uh, indian basketball right now but uh, we have a very someone has to do it. yeah yeah uh, we have a very very special guest coming up uh, so- someone we uh, quite unlike anyone else we've spoken to so why don't you uh, tease our listeners as to who who they can listen to after this yeah we're we're going to have um, someone who's going to basically uh, release all of our or elevate uh, the collective iq of this podcast by several thousand points i think yeah <laughs> we have norman swaroop isaac a true trailblazer in indian basketball uh, a guy who went from being a player for andhra pradesh he's from hyderabad went from playing being a player for, for, for andhra pradesh to being a referee to being basically a fiba commissioner and becoming one of the most important fiba technical delegates on in the world he's you know in terms of the organizational side of basketball he's as important as any other uh, top delegate on earth and he's indian so it's is really rare that we have someone of this level at this higher position and uh, we're grateful that he's he'll be giving us his time so today on hoop darshan we have a very special guest the great mr norman swaroop isaac one of the most distinguished basketball officials in india and around the world really um, in 2017 he became the first ever indian to be named uh, a fiba technical delegate he has served uh, as technical delegate uh, most recently in last year's fiba world cup in beijing and of course he was as in person as the commissioner for the world cup final which is basically the uh, the biggest basketball game on earth uh he has served as fiba commissioner in so many international events over the last 10 15 years i think and of course he's also a former player uh who played for andhra pradesh and uh, i think he's also been a referee for almost 20 years so norman ji norman sir thank you so much for giving us your time thank you for joining us uh it's my pleasure to be with you all here uh, karan and kaushik uh so so did i miss anything important about your resume because you have done so much that i could just spend you know 25 minutes just talking about your cv <laughs> no this was the best uh, because uh, i'm having some other uh, post but as the general secretary of telangana association yes but, of uh, course all that is yeah, all that is not connected with the technical part yes, so what you have brief is uh, perfect so uh, uh, where are you right now are you back home in hyderabad you're from hyderabad right yeah i am from hyderabad so uh, are you speaking to us from back home right now or are are you uh, at a, at any event Where are you no, right no, now? I, I'm at home now. Okay, I was okay. In your call, and I thought I'd keep myself free so that we could have a meaningful uh, talk, and uh, it could be of uh, good use for both of us. No, that's great, and it's you know, of course, uh, I have known about you for so many years, and you have been such an important figure in Indian basketball. So we are very fortunate that you have given us your time. So honestly, the first thing I want to ask you, and this is the most important thing. You very recently served in the basketball World Cup final. You were the commissioner of that game, uh, which is amazing. Uh, Spain beat Argentina in that final. We saw some like some of the top players on earth play that in that game. Um, so, can you tell me what are some of your memories of that day, of the day of the final? What do you remember now? It was butterflies in my stomach before the final started. Because, okay. Because uh, it was a very rare opportunity. with uh, the americans and the europeans who are considered to be at a higher and a better level in basketball especially mm-hmm. at the technical part and uh, me as an asian and basically as an indian being selected for the final was really something 
because I really couldn't believe. But then when I got this chance, I knew that my performance was being gauged uh, during the previous 15 games. What I had done in the World Cup final, leading up to the finals, uh, it was a good opportunity. And uh, I had already seen Argentina and Spain play earlier also, so yeah. I knew the, what was the thing which really I could uh, emphasize on or keep my focus on. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, my uh, focus was more on ensuring that I have a comfortable uh, table official. Uh, Uh, officials who will be guiding me and mm. who will be assisting me, uh, so that we have a game which could really give the best technical thing to the both the teams. And uh, so, what do you remember from the game? Were there any big moments that you uh, that that you were called upon that you remember? No, I was expecting Argentina to play well, but unfortunately, Spain took an upper hand right from the start. Yeah. And, uh, Uh, they got a sizable lead and a comfortable, commanding lead, and they held on to that. So that was uh, actually uh, uh, the place where uh, Spain showed their dominance. They had their homework done well. They prepared mm-hmm. well, and uh, there was uh, little Argentina could do on that day. So for yourself, for a big moment like this, you know, you've also, uh, uh, of course, you've 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 done this the same role in uh, FIBA qualifiers before. And the FIBA Asia Cup, like big high-level tournaments. So for big games like these, big finals like this, when there's so much pressure on uh, the the referees and the commissioners to make sure they do their job right, how do you prepare yourself for uh, a, a big game like this? Uh, basically, like you know, we do a lot of scouting of the players. They pass games. We try to have some video clips. And mm-hmm. uh, luckily, at the World Cup, we had the FIBA instructors with us, the referee instructors. Okay. Who were giving us valuable inputs mm-hmm. regarding the previous game because the World Cup was played over eight different venues and yeah. uh, ultimately the one day before or just about a couple of hours before the game uh, we would get very valuable inputs as to uh, what could be the strategy, what has been the strategy of the players of the mm. team, how they go about in close situations and where their focus is. So we had proper uh, information about both the teams playing in the final. So that made our task really easy. and uh, we uh, basically spent a lot of time seeing the clips of the previous games and okay. uh, identified which player would uh, play what type of game and what would be his position how they go about assisting or uh, how they go about in the rebounding so these okay. were the things which really helped us a lot and we were ready to face any eventuality or face the situation as it came about and i guess you have to uh, also then keep an eye on players who are who are who play a little bit rough Who have like their sneaky ways, you know, to 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 get possession. You know, the, the sneaky tricks players. Every every country, every team has that kind kind of player, right? Yes, there are a couple of players who always uh, we have to keep a close vigil on them. Yeah, yeah. These are the players which the coach uses the trump card, either <laughs> to uh, imbalance an opponent player because that is what they focus on. Yeah, they yeah, try, yeah. They try the the best player of the opponent team is uh, put into shade so that he doesn't really perform at his desired level. that gives an advantage to the team so these are the points which we really uh, look into and we try to lay our focus on that so are you allowed to tell me uh, in, in the in the world cup for example were there any sp- players who were specifically all the refs for an alarm okay like we have to make watch out for this guy was there <laughs> any player like that no basically the players did not play uh, any rough game or anything but those are the normal tactics which the players employed Mm-hmm. We did not find any player really doing something which 
could really have a big impact on the game or which yeah, could yeah. really have tempers frayed. Yeah, yeah. I think Draymond Green did not make the World Cup team, so it would have happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Norman, I want to talk to you a little bit more about the, about your job or your role. So, for people who might be listening to this podcast or for just basketball fans in general, they may not be very familiar with what a FIBA commissioner does or what a technical delegate does. Could you explain a little bit more about the specifics of your job and the things that you the things that you pay attention to, the things that you um sort of prepare for yeah the fiba technical delegate is a much bigger version of a game commissioner mm-hmm. as a fiba game commissioner we our primary duty is to assess the floor and the table officials so that both of us understand each other and we are able to give the game on a, on a good platform mm-hmm. and uh, the game commissioner has to coordinate with the game clock operator the shot clock operator the assistant scorer ensuring that everything is in place and then we have a close contact with the statisticians because the scores are uh, sent live and everything is, is visible so we have to be extra cautious and also constantly keep monitoring the scoreboard the games uh, the game clock ensure that the shot clock operation is started on time and it ends whenever the referee blows the whistle but as a technical delegate the area what we have to cover is really much more uh, we have to also have uh the uh, technical equipment to be verified the hotels the size of the beds the size of the showers in the washrooms uh, the change rooms of the players the tv production the security aspect uh, inside the stadium and the security when the players are being transported back from the hotel to the venue and again back from the venue to the hotel so uh, their food and uh, basically also trying to see that uh, there is a proper Uh, security for the spectators and uh, there are proper facilities for the people who are uh, differently able so these are all the major aspects also look after the media and ensure that the teams are ready to speak to the media they attend the press conference the coach the uh, captain or the main player and uh, one more important role what we have there is to look after the medical facilities and also if the doping team comes there then we have to assist the chaperones in ensuring that the players who are identified are sent for the doping so it's a big uh, role as a technical delegate and uh, during the game the commissioner even though i am a technical delegate in a world cup qualifier or in some championship uh, i have to sit on the table as a game commissioner for that particular match and immediately after the match within the 15 minutes what is there for any protest to be lodged after that i have to make my way go to the press conference make myself uh, available there Uh, see that the uh, press conference is well conducted, and after that, also see that the game is uploaded on the FIBA site. So these are all the multiple uh, duties which a technical delegate has. It's a very challenging, but uh, because of the passion what I have, I feel that uh, it's a comfortable job, and I really enjoy my job as a technical delegate. Wow, that's that's amazing. I, I actually. when you think about all of the things that you said it's it's amazing to sort of put together that there's so much m- behind the scenes that happens to making a basketball match available to these many fans uh, all across the world and to just ensure that the tournament or the match runs smoothly there's so many people involved there's so much specifics involved so thank you so much for for sharing that um i i wanted to ask you just one more question on on this same sort of path so you've obviously been doing this for a while now so what what do you think you have seen change uh, in terms of you know this technical side or whether it's uh, whether it's basketball styles or basketball officiating or anything like that with 
uh, with more and more technology being available to you there is a there is a sea change actually from the time what i started as a commissioner mm-hmm. um, the rules have changed uh, the requirements of the media has changed the requirements of the teams have changed so uh, fiba has been able to ensure that uh, all these things are put in the proper place proper perspective and uh, the personnel who are manning each uh, responsibility given to them because everybody has got a different role like you know mm-hmm. and uh, as a person who intermediates on behalf of the fiba with the local organizing committee with the game director the technical director so all these things have really changed a lot and uh, the, we feel that uh, uh, there's a role that everybody has to play in ensuring that the game is uh, delivered at the best level what about basketball officiating uh, do, do you think that it has changed over the last few years Yes, the basketball officiating definitely has changed because uh, I, being a referee for over twenty years, mm-hmm. uh, when you really go there and see, uh, there are so many things which uh, we learn from every game, because every referee has got his own style. The European European referees have got their own way of uh, dealing. But when we come to the World Cup, we have a regular coaching sessions, a regular uh, clinics being held by the referee instructors. We have a video analyst. and every move of a referee and every uh, uh, decision given by a referee is seen by different people from different views and then we have a great discussion on certain aspects which could really have an impact on that so there's a lot of things which we learn when we go for such tournaments because uh, everybody is focused everybody knows what is to be seen and everybody has got certain notes made about uh, uh, most of the games which are covered so this has really made us uh, made our knowledge bigger wider and also this helps me in really helping out my colleagues back home in india because hardly we do get a chance to meet people across different uh, uh, countries uh, officiating at different leagues across europe south america and also in asia so these are the finer points which we really pick up and uh, it's going to be really very uh, challenging for the referees in future also because the game has now become more physical it has become more technical everything is visible we have the irs facility now so these are all the things which are which fiba has kept abreast uh, with the game and uh, the the main focus is to make the game more interesting and more challenging for the players and also expecting the players to give out their best um Uh, normally you mentioned that uh, you know of course you are you remain very passionate about the sport you're a big fan of the sport and you know th- that that's why you uh, even the even the challenging job as a technical director you you mentioned how much you enjoy it right so i wanted to know like as someone in your position who's been a referee or a referee or a commissioner or a technical person for you know over 20 years now do you actually get to enjoy the basketball that you're watching in front of you or is just or, or or are you too busy are you too stressed with like all the officiating side of things if you're watching a big game big stars do you actually get get the chance to just sit back and be like wow like this is just amazing what's happening no there's hardly any time to really think about it there's not, nothing which i can relax on the when i'm on duty there because uh, like i told you as a technical delegate my duty starts 72 hours prior to a championship wow. because every minute detail has to be in place and more so uh, we have to coordinate so many other things with so many other people and uh, most of them because we are in a alien country we mm-hmm. know the people they do uh, cooperate with us but then i have a certain uh, things which i have to 
ensure that everything is in place mm-hmm. and when the game is on literally i do not know what is happening outside because my major focus <laughs> is on the game so okay. even though i'm part and parcel of the game i just mm-hmm. really cannot enjoy unless i uh, have some other colleague sing you know, doing another game and i'm sitting in the gallery or okay. in the lounge and uh, watching this game otherwise it's a very difficult job and, and i just do not know how the 100 odd minutes just passes away and, uh, <laughs> later when i sit and just think it over or when we see the clipping then we feel and when uh, there are times when the camera is also focused on us yeah so yeah the, uh, <laughs> i can see the pressure on my face still i can't see when i'm just like that so these are all the things uh, which do happen in a game but then uh, there's nothing which i can just sit and relax it is totally uh, engrossed in the game following the game because uh, as a game commissioner we do have to give a report after every match mm-hmm. so this is very very important uh, mm-hmm. for us and uh, this also helps us in getting up further nominations also okay so so when you aren't uh, actually working in a game say that you said you know sometimes you get to be in the galleries and just watch yeah. uh, and you obviously you have seen basketball at the highest level in the world uh, uh, do you have any uh, particular uh, you know any memories of any great players or great teams that you have seen in the past that that you really remember i have seen uh, hadadi playing very well then hashimoto is there from japan mm. these are the players which i really would like to sit and enjoy because uh, they can just uh, turn the game around within yeah. a few minutes and uh, see that they, they, their team can really do well yeah uh, hadadi especially has been you know i think people who only follow uh, the nba they think of him as somebody who was a nothing player but in asia he was uh, last 10 15 years he's been unstoppable he can do whatever he wants to yes uh norman coming closer to i guess uh, closer to home and india's own basketball teams uh, obviously in the last few years uh, there have been some really good highs but there have also been some lows but more recently in the last few years there it feels like there have been lots of setbacks lots of uh, losses lots of injuries lots of suspensions uh, as you see world basketball sort of continue to grow at to higher and higher levels what what do you think india needs to do to to catch up with or or to keep pace with the rest of the world basically it is more exposure what is required for our teams our players have the talent our players have the potential but only thing is what we are lacking is uh, the proper infrastructure which is required for a player to really play and the monetary benefits which come with it mm-hmm. a player in who plays in a league abroad has got so many benefits like he is covered with insurance there are so many people to look after him has got a physio right through with him but these are the things which uh, a country like india we are really not able to provide to the players and unless we give them the best of facilities we really can't expect them to go further down in fact india's performances has been rather good for the uh, last couple of years but then ups and downs do happen and there have been performances when we could have won but we lost there were there were situations when we beat china and the philippines also yeah. so these do happen in a game but then with the nba academy which has now come up if our uh, coaches are also given proper uh, guidance or proper uh, opportunities to really go abroad and uh, see the better players work with them then and the, which can be replicated with our own teams then i i don't see why indian basketball can really go up further i, I mean it, it's good to know that 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 you have you have some optimism about it because you know we have seen um, we have seen some ups and downs and especially uh, what you mentioned there were a lot of games where 
uh, where we play well for three quarters and then the fourth quarter, you know, I think the fatigue catches up or the inexperience catches up. So I think uh, th- there's some things that still need to be sharpened with um, the teams. Yeah, now we have the facility of a foreign coach, uh, Mr. Matic, who has come from Serbia. Yeah. So he's now trying to work out on the younger players. And because uh, basically the players should be strong, the players should be more focused. And the player should be able to come out of close situation when it does happen. These mm. are the situations where our players did not have those many opportunities. What is actually required for them to perform when the uh, when the uh, going is tough. So possibly a better mental framework, which the coach is now working on, because I have seen a couple of sessions when they were in coaching, and I do hope that. Uh, uh, the players will be able to reproduce this and play according to the plan of the coach. And definitely, you can see better basketball from the Indian team, especially with the FIBA Asia qualifiers coming up in mm. February, where India is going to play two games in February. And then we have to wait uh, till November for the second window. So, yeah. uh, with the performance in the first window, the coach definitely has got about eight months' time to prepare his players in a proper way so that. We qualify first for the FIBA Asia and then we move on to the World Cup qualifiers for the 2023 World Cup. So, mm-hmm. it lot depends on how the players play and the coach has got a new uh, set of players already with him. Uh, we do hope that uh, uh, junior players like Prince Paul and um, the other players can really come up and uh, fill in the gap with which uh, we, are, uh, we may have to have a continuity of players because Amritpal, Anjot and uh, uh, Satnam, these are the players who are there but we need a second line who can always support them and uh, we have a good lineup and hopefully India should do well in the Fibaisha qualifiers next month. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Amritpal and Satnam for sure, Amjot of course, I think he's contesting that uh, suspension so we'll see, I, I hope that he can make a comeback soon. But I, I want to ask you actually about your own playing days. You, of course, you know, uh, I think people should know that you, you also played basketball for almost a decade or more than a decade for Andhra Pradesh. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you got started. What made you uh, basically fall in love with basketball? How did it begin the story for you and this game? Uh, it was in 1977 when I started playing at the YMCA. Okay. Uh, this is in Hyderabad. In Hyderabad, yes, okay. second bad YMCA, yes. because uh, this is the cradle of basketball in uh, Andhra Pradesh, and uh, my uncle, Mr. Sampath Kumar, was the coach. Okay. And uh, one good day after my 10th standard exam, I just dropped in and started uh, playing in the municipal uh, summer camps. Mm-hmm. And from there, I just uh, took a liking, and uh, the graph just went up. And two years later, I started playing for the state. And from 1980 to 1992, it was. 13 long years when I continuously represented and uh, there were uh, times when we also entered the semi-finals in the national championship. In 1987, yeah. when I was a player, we entered the semi-finals, which was only the second time that Andhra Pradesh played the semi-finals. The first time was in 1962 and then it was in 1987. After 1987, in the senior nationals, uh, the Andhra Pradesh teams have not yet gone up to the semi-final stage. So, I do take credit that we were part of that <laughs> and I was also the coach of the uh, uh, Andhra Pradesh team which won the Interzonal Championship. Previously, we had the Interzonal where the uh, runner-up and winner of each of the four zones used to qualify for the Interzone and uh, uh, I was the coach. So, 
even uh, in fact that was the only time that andhra pradesh won the interzonal national championship wow so uh, i mean back in those days i, I think now the, you if, if 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 you were playing now you would probably be playing for the telangana side right or would you yes yeah. yes yes telangana side so um now i don't know actually that much about the hyderabad basketball culture can you tell me like is is it a is it a big hub for uh, for basketball in the country or or is it better now like how, how would you compare it now compared to when you were uh, first starting off the number of players playing now was definitely increased we have too many international schools which have come up okay. the game at the grassroots level is very good but mm-hmm. then the players do not uh, they lose focus after a certain amount of time Mm-hmm. because uh, there are no jobs available for the players mm-hmm. the government sponsorship is not coming as it should have been and uh, the players are nowadays more interested in getting a certificate for the national level and then once they get a certificate these children go abroad for studies mm-hmm. so the investment what is being done by the basketball association is for a for a period of 4 to 5 years and after 5 years again we don't have the facility of those players whom we really worked hard and brought them up to a certain standard mm-hmm. So this is where uh, actually Telangana is now facing a problem because unless we have jobs coming up, and unless the players uh, do not migrate for to international universities, uh, it is very difficult because uh, the best of my players are in the age group of 14 to 18, and okay. when we come to the senior level, when we are expecting these players to continue playing with us, but unfortunately we are losing out because uh, they have better prospects uh, going through academics and going abroad. Uh, taking admissions in various universities across the globe. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. I mean, I hope because th- there is, th- there have always been strong players from that region. I think most recently, Prithvi Reddy was a was a pretty big name. But of course, he also went abroad. You know. Yeah. Um. So for you, uh, I want to go back to your own playing days. Uh, I heard you were a a a guard, right? You were a ball handler. What was your style? Yeah, I was a ball handler basically, and uh, I was a go- I was a good three-point shooter. Okay. And, uh, I used to play for State Bank of India, in okay. which we had two players who had also captained the Indian team, Mohammad Rizwan and Hari Krishna Prasad. Okay, okay. And apart from them, I had two other players who played for India, Umakant and Chennareddy. So, so you were you were the Andhra Pradesh Steph Curry, the ball handler and shooter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um and so so what made you make that transition into uh, officiating after you finished playing did, did you always think that you were going to be a referee yeah because i i i wanted to continue with the game there are many of them who just played and then they stop but then okay. i saw that uh, they, i have a better scope as a referee than in 92 i uh, went to the nis patiala for a certificate course in coaching 93 okay. i became a referee and after 93 I continuously was there uh, as a referee till 2013 when I stopped. Even though uh, I stopped as an international referee in 2006, the year when I became the uh, FIBA commissioner. But okay. then I still continue my refereeing at the local level, and I enjoy it when I sit on the table and do scoring also because that is where I learned my basketball. Yeah, yeah. So I still enjoy sitting on the table, and because uh, sitting there, I can really see which player. Basically, when I sit on the table now, I ensure that my focus is on identifying which player is going to be useful for me in which position. Mm. So it's basically scouting as well as being part and parcel of every game okay. and uh, ensuring that all the technicalities are uh, taken care of. Because uh, being the technical head for basketball in India, and if I lose out on my own stake, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So I ensure that whenever I have time, I go there and sit and watch the games. Uh, so this is uh, really keeps me busy, and also mm-hmm. I enjoy my time uh, whenever I'm on the basketball ground. So do you have any advice for young Indians who want to follow your footsteps? You know, because your journey has been so unique for Indian basketball. Like al- almost no one has lived the life that you have in in this way. You know. So, uh, what advice would you give you? Uh, would you give to, to to youngsters who want to follow your footsteps? You first decide for yourself whether you want to continue with the game, and if you want to continue with the game, which particular aspect would you like to take up? Because you can either be a good coach, you can either be a good technical delegate, you can be a good referee. Because a referee is different from a technical delegate, and technical delegate is different from a coach. So, if one is able to identify which particular role he would like to uh, as a, keep himself, then there definitely he should work for it. There are so many things by which he can always keep himself updated. Uh, we have so many, uh, and uh, there are people who are there willing to guide you in what step you have to do. Uh, you have so much of literature available. We have so much of. thing on the uh, internet so there is no dearth of knowledge only thing is one should really understand what is his role and whether he really fits into that role and once he knows that he has uh, the potential then he should try to keep updating himself which would really be very very useful for him uh, norman you are such a such a student of the game and such a big fan from inside um it's a very inspiring story to listen to so uh, i'd like to ask you what your what what are your future goals uh, to continue in basketball um uh, i would like to continue in such a way so that i would also be able to update myself and also teach the younger next generation what exactly is required and my next aim is to be a part of the olympics yeah i was Because just going to is- ask you that about the olympics <laughs> so that is going to be the ultimate because world cup was one which i never thought of last year i was at the asian games then the world cup has come up so hopefully god willing if everything goes well uh, the olympic should be around the corner if not this time then definitely i will work hard for the 2024 olympics also excellent stuff thank you so much uh, for your time norman it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you uh, thank you for all the insight that you gave us which uh, which as karan said no, no nobody else has gone through your kind of journey so it's very very unique and uh, karan and i both as fans of fans of sport and fans of against indian basketball in any format uh, we really really appreciate it thank you and thank you uh, i'll add to what he's just said you know it's always it's great because uh, you are reaching places where indian basketball hasn't reached itself you know uh, of course uh, as a national team we are still developing and we cannot reach these levels but every time there's a big tournament there's a big world cup and hopefully when there's olympics you are there with the indian flag you know you you sometimes the only one so we're very proud of you and uh, we hope that you know you continue sort of flying our flag everywhere thank thank you so much karan and kaushik uh, really appreciate your good words and uh, with all your support and all your well wishes possibly the dream of going to the olympics should be Uh, reached uh, so let's hope for the best and uh, let's hope for the betterment of basketball in the country also so that not only the technical part but also the players the game and everybody benefits with this uh, by following the game for sure thank you so much thank you and bye bye 
So I want to thank Mr. Norman Sarup Isaac, Norman Isaac, for for joining us uh, and giving us this gyan, which you know, like there's we we talk to so many people connected to basketball in India, and a lot of them, the whole country knows about it. Like the, the, we, most of the people who are in the basketball fraternity or outside of it know. Okay, this guy is a genius because of the way he plays, or uh, this coach is a genius because of the way she coaches everyone. But very rarely do we get to talk to somebody who sees the game in this next level. You know, he's like that meme of Zach Galifianakis from The Hangover, where all the math is coming in his head. Like I, that's how I imagine him sitting courtside and everything is going on at the same time. I didn't know his job involved security for the players, also. Yeah, and like. Media interaction also, but also he has to make sure the game is going well. That, that's crazy. I have so much respect for him. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, as I said to him when we were speaking, right? I don't know that there's so much that goes on behind the scenes of, I guess, making a production of a basketball game. Not even just production, like just the just the fact that it happens and there's so yeah. much you have to take care of. It's amazing. And yeah, he's he's a trailblazer in his own ways in the sense that he's doing things that nobody else has done from uh, from India. So. Um, yeah, the fact that I guess he got a chance to do this for the World Cup final—that's that's, that's mind blowing. Like even when you think about it, like our, our uh, players don't even like sniff anywhere close to the World Cup. Our referees yeah. sometimes uh, like they get there. Like I, I've seen stories of Indian referees doing that. Yes, but yeah, yeah. yeah, to to do it at the absolute like pinnacle of that tournament, uh, yeah, it's amazing. And he's such a he's such a massive like student of the game. He he loves it. He's He's grown up with it. He's played it. I mean, who enjoys scoring? I, I mean, I, I get it. I do too. But, <laughs> um, but that's like a special, special sort yeah, of connection yeah. with the sport, right? Which, uh, which is amazing to hear. And it's you know, low key. He, I mean, the fact that he has to research, like for example, the final. He mm. he was the FIBA commissioner for the Spain Argentina game, right? Yeah. So he he would know so much about every player. Like he's at a at, at a level of like scouting intelligence that very few people will know. You know, yeah. he'd know that Luis Cola plays this way, or Campazzo plays this way, or you know, Ricky Rubio is like these are his tendencies. Like this is very advanced level knowledge that very few people will have. And I was really trying to bait him to tell me, you know, which Argentina players <laughs> were like especially dirty. I was hoping for two. <laughs> but but he was uh, you know he was he he, 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 did, he did not want to go there. Look, he's, um, a, he's an experienced guy. He knows how to be politically correct about these things. Uh, I also noticed like he didn't really have um, any any thoughts, not just like any negative thoughts about I guess any BFI related thing. I, I know you tried to bait him there a little bit with Amjot's suspension and stuff too. So just like, just a class act. Hey, he's a he, I mean he's a technical director for the BFI, so yeah. I I can understand that he's you know he's gonna. Uh, he's he's gonna not go there because at the end of the day he like I think the the best referees are the ones who are completely in a way unemotional but mm-hmm. also passionate like it's a weird thing right you have to be passionate about the game but also not get like um, not get personal yeah because if you get personal then like it can be very hard on you because it's always the referee's fault so I think uh, I think the, the the I think they have to build themselves up to be almost unemotional about the drama that goes on. For example, with with, with the BFI. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, um, absolutely. Uh, so, current before we before we say goodbye to our listeners, yes. um, what's your steaming hot NBA take over the last um, month or so, or since we since we did our podcast? Steaming hot hot NBA take. It's been it's been a while, right? Since we've yeah, uh, yeah. since we have done this. Um, steaming hot NBA take. That's that's a good question. 
Why don't you round it back to me? Do you have something that you're ready with that you're ready to like j- just shoot your shot at this point? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's go. Um, this is this is my steaming hot take, just like a, like a hot idli that comes out of a comes out of oh, a pan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that um, my my Lakers record is like flattering to deceive a little bit. Um, oh, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they are under like zero and six against like the top three, four teams or something. <laughs> yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, like, I think the, the there is truth to I guess the fact that they beat who they're supposed to, and they do yeah. that better than everybody else. Um, I I am like very very surprised that the record is what it is, and I think we discussed this in the last episode as well. But I think the gap is sort of like showing very clearly. Um, they've got a size and sort of athleticism and veteran presence sort of advantage but yeah um sometimes like that, that I, I don't think that will be enough in the playoffs so um it, it's, it's it'll be interesting to see how this how this develops obviously like um like today's loss against the celtics was uh yeah it was one of the worst games i, I i've seen in in a while and i, I uh, obviously like I, I have a very short memory because my team was, <laughs> you have a very was, short memory <laughs> was, was crap for the last uh, five years or so but um, no, I guess I had like bigger expectations uh, today mm. um, so yeah it'll be it'll be an interesting thing to watch um, and I know a lot of my fellow Laker fans are uh, are getting a little bit worried but um, I think I, I, I hope that the team sort of rallies around this the right way uh, they still need a couple of pieces in my opinion to, to yeah. be like clear favorites, um, but yeah, it's it's the complete opposite of what I expected. I thought the Clippers would be the regular season team and the Lakers mm. will be the playoff team, but it's looking more and more like the opposite. It's so I agree with you that the re- the record is flattering, and I feel the same way about the Bucks who are, who have were thirty nine and six. Like it's an insane record for them. Mm. But I, I even they I feel like I'm not saying that they're not amazing, but I still like they're the difference between them. The, the difference that the Lakers have over everyone else in the league is not as wide as the record shows. I think yeah, yeah. the top uh, five teams are much closer. Yeah. So, uh, so even though both the Lakers and the Bucks have flattering records, it's not like any other team has completely, like like True. even the Clippers, who who I think are possibly you and I have chatted about this. I think they're possibly if you have to put money on it, uh, they're probably the favorites to win the title. Yeah. They they look like a very good playoff team. Yeah, but even then they haven't like blown anyone away, you know. Right. right. Um, so so there's very little consistency. Like the number two team in the East are the Miami Heat. Yeah. Which is really <laughs> cool. Like I I mean one of the great stories of the season, but I really don't see them being like a playoff thread beyond. I mean at most they'll reach the conference finals. I, if I have to, you know, like they they, they might have one major upset. Right. Um, so it's. I, I, in a way, it's it's cool. Like I think the overall ratings of the NBA are down because as much as people hate it, the NBA, uh, the, the casual fans love super teams. Yeah. The fans who just tune in, they, they 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 miss the fact that the somebody like the Miami Heat of the past or the Golden State Warriors of the more recent existed, and now that that doesn't exist anymore, I think it's only a lot more hardcore fans watching it. Yeah. Also, but that said, also I think like when now that you mentioned Golden State, I kind of thought about this maybe the fact that we're not completely wowed by the lakers or, or the bucks is the fact that we're conditioned to this warriors team over the last four or five yeah. years yeah absolutely yeah, it's, it's perfect in everything they do and 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 the thing with the warriors was that that they their regular season success was tangible in the sense that it wasn't a it, it wasn't a fluke like the way they used yeah. to dominate the regular season was 
like you know it it wasn't a deceptive record you know mm-hmm. they were actually that good yeah. because they were good on you know they were very deep and they had a lot of weapons and all that stuff but um i guess like i don't have a steaming hot take but i have a steaming momo here which okay which is more which is more about like how kind of impressed i am with teams like the thunder and the grizzlies yeah like it's just i i, I just love it i just love uh, i'll tell you who else like uh, so i'm looking at the western standings right now mm-hmm. clippers thunder and grizzlies are all not clippers i'm uh, sorry clippers of course the mavericks the thunder and the grizzlies are all in playoff position yeah and i think it's it's weird right because i think uh, uh, I think if I go back and when I made my rankings for the top eight in the beginning of the season, maybe I had the Thunder there. Maybe, but even that, I, I I'm not sure. Definitely not the Mavericks as much as we both love Luca. Yeah. And definitely not the Grizzlies. So, uh, it's really cool to see that. It's really cool to see these these young teams doing well. Um, OKC, I'm very envious of how they've rebuilt. Like they've just gone from they just lost everyone and they have they look set for the future. They look really good. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's, I I think it's probably like my favorite uh underdog story from from this season. Uh I don't think anybody expected them to be in the playoffs. Um probably like most guesses would have been like Spurs or people would have been high on the Pelicans just because like it's Zion and, I was. and all of those yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, Memphis is is an amazing story as well. How good is Jamal and he's oh my god, he's he's so athletic. He's so like he's got such a swagger the way he plays with um i i absolutely love the fact that um you know he trashed out james harden after hitting up after hitting that was amazing yeah. it's brilliant it's brilliant i probably would have hated it if draymond green did that but um, <laughs> yeah. um yeah i i definitely enjoyed that um do you do you have um, your all star picks just before we say goodbye um you know i you kind of sprung this up i didn't think about this but now mm-hmm. that i have the um, so it's easy for I you ha- it's ricky rubio uh, Emmanuel <laughs> so, Mudiay. I no 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 more Mudiay. I'm I'm off the Mudiay bandwagon. I have RJ Barrett now as as my personal All Star because nice. whatever is in Nick. No no but okay if I have to make a serious All Star picks, um, l- let me see. East of course you, you got to have Giannis. Yeah. You got to have. Um, I guess I'll take Embiid. Mm-hmm. Uh, third forward. Who's who else is killing it? Maybe uh, Jimmy. I guess between Jimmy is Jimmy a forward? Is he a guard? Yeah, yeah he's a forward. Okay, so Jimmy, that's three, and backcourt I would likely go with uh, Kemba and you know what? Maybe uh, uh, Ben Simmons, despite the fact that mm-hmm. he gets all this, uh, he get trashed so much. Yeah, he's actually been he's great and he's actually been like yeah, like he, had a, he had a monster game today. Uh, yeah. I thought today's game against the Nets was uh, was probably like the peak Ben Simmons that you can expect at this point. He, so so actually i have two uh, two philly players in my in my five i guess uh, <laughs> and, um the west of course uh, the usual suspects the 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 the, the three players from la yep. kawhi lebron and um ad as the front court mm-hmm. and back court of course are are beta luka yep. you know um and i guess we can round it up with james harden you got you got to he's to do if the guys averaging like nearly 40 a game no matter no matter how like board VR of it, it's freaking amazing. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so where do you go? Anywhere where you differ from from not, my fives? Not really. My West, of course, is like absolutely ditto. Um, yeah. th- there have been cases that people have been making for Jokic instead of Kawhi because of games missed and stuff. But um, no, no, Ka- Kawhi has been like when he when he turns it on, he's still, he's, he, lo- he's he looks he looks like the best player in the world. So 
um i i don't see any changes there in the in the east it's a little more open i think uh but i'm inclined to agree with you on on most things uh i know you're not you're not a massive fan but um i, I feel like idea when we'll get there and i would i wouldn't necessarily mind that um the the thing that i've been doing though over the last few days um totally normal human behavior okay uh, yes, which is yes. i've been going to nba.com's all-star voting and i would mm. just i'll pick only luka and i'll submit <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I want I, I want him to be captain. Uh, I know it it probably won't happen, but uh, it, I am doing Isn't he the leading? Isn't he So so I thought you'd be doing that for Alex Caruso as well, but you're not. You, you're not you're not going that far, right? It's only look. <laughs> no. No. There are there are some uh, more messed up people in the world than me. <laughs> uh no. I I, I think uh, LeBron is leading right now. So the first first returns uh it was Luka, but the second and third oh, it's yeah. been it's been LeBron. I think voting's finished today. So Okay. Um so we'll find out on Thursday. I honestly enjoy the fact that every year there's like a Zaza kind of or Alex Caruso like like I, I I'm not a like cuz eventually you know the way the system is built they're not going to be all-stars. Yes. But I love the fact that there's always one joke entry. Yeah, I a, love it so it, much. It's got its own name now. It's the meme vote. It's the meme vote. I love yes. it. Uh cuz even um Taco Fall is, yeah. has like crazy about <laughs> so yeah, I mean And again uh rounding back up to um MLK Jr Kyrie Irving um again like I actually would have voted for him if he had played that many games I think yeah. I just did not just out of the fact that That's he, he missed so much That's fair um so even as like a Kyrie disliker the east is so weak yeah. that you can actually consider him even with that many like yeah. <laughs> games lost so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um no excellent stuff uh, look forward to to more Uh, amazing nba stuff as the season unfolds and it's been it's been an absolute pleasure talking to norman as well um thanks as always guys for listening to us on hoop darshan we are finishing 88 episodes i can't even believe we've gotten this far uh, it's pretty amazing so if you have any thoughts any reviews any questions for us please feel free to send them our way uh, karan is at hoopistani on twitter and i'm at underscore kashik7 Karan is also at Karan Madhok one on Twitter. If you want to see yes. stuff about his uh, his his writing outside the scope of basketball and uh, his favorite lines of poetry and favorite lines in books and stuff like that, uh, a fascinating other side of Karan. Follow uh, that. And a lot of uh, a lot lot of political retweets that will lose me half my follow followership. So well, I hope, so actually, I hope the right kind of people are listening. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. If 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 you're politically sensitive, you know, towards a certain side, don't. <laughs> That's fair. Uh yeah. so if you want to follow us on on the on the podcast itself is at hoop session we're also available on Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, Podbean, bunch of different places. So hit us up and we'll we'll shout you out although nobody has done that even after me saying it many many times. <laughs> uh I'm on chicken. This is a great sponsorship I with you. Um Yeah. Reach, reach Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh until next time #indiabasketball. <laughs>